This message comes from Capital One. Your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services backed by the strength of a top 10 commercial bank. Visit CapitalOne.com slash commercial. Member FDIC. Twenty years ago, something increasingly rare today happened. Congress agreed on something. That was PEPFAR, the President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief. President George W. Bush introduced the plan in his 2003 State of the Union address. Ladies and gentlemen, seldom has history offered a greater opportunity to do so much for so many. We have confronted and will continue to confront HIV-AIDS in our own country. And to meet a severe and urgent crisis abroad tonight, I propose the Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief. A work of mercy beyond all current international efforts to help the people of Africa. This comprehensive plan will prevent 7 million new AIDS infections, treat at least 2 million people with life-extending drugs, and provide humane care for millions of people suffering from AIDS and for children orphaned by AIDS. Twenty years later, the U.S. government says the program saved more than 25 million lives. Congress has renewed PEPFAR three times since then with little fuss. That was until the last few months. Now it's caught up in the quagmire of U.S. abortion politics. The latest round of provisions is predicted to expire by the end of next month. So what happens next? After the break, we're joined by national health reporter Dan Diamond of The Washington Post. We discuss PEPFAR, where it stands now, and how the politics around the program became so fraught. I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. We've got a lot to cover. Stay with us. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Viore. Jump into a new perspective on performance apparel. Viore makes products that stand the test of time and hope to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Empowering your best life in clothing that can be worn for just about any activity from running to yoga. Visit viore.com NPR to receive 20% off your first purchase and enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. Discover the versatility of Viore clothing. What does it mean to be Black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, you'll hear, it means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get into the conversation. Dan, welcome back to the program. Jen, thanks for having me back. So PEPFAR funds treatment and care for HIV and AIDS. How does the program work? Well, PEPFAR is is a sweeping program that works across a number of different government agencies and more than 50 countries. It's a humanitarian program, Jen. It's also a global uh, diplomacy program. It fights HIV and AIDS abroad. It helps stabilize countries being crushed under the burden of disease. And it fits around local needs. So it gives much of its money directly to what are called NGOs, non-governmental organizations that, in theory, they know the country. They know the people the best. PEPFAR provides uh, antiretroviral medication that allows people to live with HIV as a chronic condition. It offers support to children orphaned by the disease. Staff from the CDC train local health workers. All in all, it spends more than $6 billion every year since 
uh, President Bush first announced it, it spent more than $100 billion, and it's worked. There's no doubt about that. I mean, PEPFAR has saved more than 25 million lives since its inception, and 30 million people around the world now live with HIV as a chronic condition. Uh, the, the disease is not killing people uh, at, at the measure that it was when PEPFAR was first announced. So how have abortion politics gotten tied up in this? Earlier this year, Heritage Foundation, a conservative group that, that heavily influenced the Trump administration, called for major changes to PEPFAR and specifically charged that PEPFAR had been wrongly promoting abortion overseas. That claim was picked up by Representative Chris Smith. He's a New Jersey Republican. He chairs a key House foreign affairs panel that oversees PEPFAR reauthorization. And the representative's argument is that PEPFAR is funding organizations abroad that are separately promoting abortion or advocating for local laws to be changed to allow for abortion. Essentially, PEPFAR is paying these organizations to fight HIV, and then they can use their their leftover funding to push for things like abortion access. And since then, other anti-abortion advocacy groups, Heritage included, have said they will score any vote on PEPFAR reauthorization as being against pro-life causes. This matters because when congressional candidates tout in their ads 100% pro-life record, that's the kind of scorecard they're referencing. I, I should stress, Jen, PEPFAR is legally barred from providing abortions, and there are many people associated with the program, including folks I've talked to overseas, who say there's nothing to this charge. What evidence did Heritage cite to support their claims? Well, it's, it's not just Heritage at this point. I mean, Chris Smith is probably the key lawmaker, and I sat with him in his office for an hour on Friday, and we talked about this, and he pointed to organizations that do appear to be receiving some funding from PEPFAR and then separately have promoted access to abortion. Uh, now, I, I have been a reporter long enough not to speak in absolutes. It's worth saying that some of these organizations that w- were fingered by the anti-abortion groups have said, again, these charges are baseless or that uh, these, these are very separate initiatives, but it has still had the effect of freezing progress until the anti-abortion groups either get what they want, which is strict curbs, the resuscitation of Trump-era policies that bar organizations overseas that receive PEPFAR funding from advocating for abortion, or uh, the Biden administration just wants to quickly reauthorize PEPFAR. They say every day that we wait is another day that this program looks weaker and weaker to our partners, creates uncertainty, and could end up leading to the expiration of provisions in a couple weeks. What usually gets evaluated when PEPFAR is up for renewal? There have been heated debates in the past, I think it's fair to say. Uh, During the Bush administration, the first reauthorization of PEPFAR, there were conservatives who raised similar concerns about abortion. Uh, There are conservatives who wanted to make sure that PEPFAR promoted abstinence and faithfulness abroad, which some Democrats and some healthcare workers weren't comfortable with. So this program has been dogged by cultural concerns in the past. It's just that Jen never got to this point where the reauthorization of the program was in trouble. Usually these things are worked out behind the scenes or in open committee hearings. And right now, the House of Representatives, led by Republicans, is is not planning on making any progress on PEPFAR uh, reauthorization until these issues are dealt with. They are trying to deal with these issues instead through a process called appropriations, setting aside money. But it's a different and more complicated procedure than reauthorizing the program for five years. Well, that report published in May by the Heritage Foundation claims the Biden administration is using PEPFAR to, quote, promote its domestic radical social agenda overseas. How has the Biden administration responded? 
There has been some concern, Jen, that the White House has not done enough here. There's a relatively new leader of PEPFAR, John Nkengasong. I asked several times for interviews with Dr. Nkengasong. He, he was not made available to the Post, and I know other organizations have had trouble getting in touch with him too. But the White House has, has let Congress mostly fight this out. The program, PEPFAR, when you think about the name, it's the U.S. President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief. President being the key word. This was President Bush's initiative. Every president since, including President Trump, picked up the banner and, and pushed for it in different ways. So the idea that the president and the White House should get more involved in trying to move uh, minds on Capitol Hill, I think that is that is one concern. But in the meantime, the White House has tried to tout that this program has been successful, that this program helps the United States, not just in healthcare ways, but in foreign policy ways at a moment when China and Russia are looking to capture some of the global influence that belonged to the United States. We are helping people in Africa and the Caribbean and other countries in ways that Russia and China are not through this program. And the fear is that if there is a retreat on PEPFAR, our rival nations will step in and find ways to help instead. Well, explain a little bit more, Dan, about the difference between a public health initiative like PEPFAR and the types of investments we see from Russia and China. Russia and China have been focused very much on the natural resources of, of Africa. And they've been funding, say, construction projects and and working more along economic lines. The United States has taken more of a public health approach with programs like PEPFAR. The argument being that not only are you helping save lives, you're stabilizing countries. Countries that are healthier uh, are happier. Countries where people can live longer and know that the United States played a role in that are going to feel more positively toward the United States than, say, foreign countries that are funding mines and, and extracting resources and taking them back. Earlier this week, we heard from Peter Mugeni. He's executive director and co-founder of the Joint Clinical Research Center that's a leading authority on the treatment of HIV and AIDS in Africa. I am Peter Mugeni, speaking from Kampala, Uganda. I was one of the first doctors to care for people living with HIV AIDS in Africa. Before PEPFA, AIDS epidemic had devastated our continent. Millions were dying even when life-saving drugs had become available in the mid-1980s. It was a bloodbath. PEPFA was a turning point. Within less than a decade, PEPFA became the most successful humanitarian program in history with a million of lives saved. I humbly remind all of those who, in one way or another, seek to interrupt this highly successful PEPFA program, that it is a lifeline for millions of people all over the world. We also got this email from Jasper who says, HIV-AIDS is a disease that affects the entire world. The U.S. investment in treatment and care for it is good for both the U.S. and the global community. I hope there can be a change of heart. Well, Dan, GOP lawmakers propose PEPFAR gets renewed year to year instead of every five years. It's been the schedule up until now. How would changing the rate at which the program gets renewed affect it and its implementation? Jen, I know it's NPR, but how wonky do you want this answer to be? Light I'm as wonky, wonky as it needs wonky. to be. <laughs> okay. Well, that makes sense for 1A. Um, mo- most of PEPFAR's funding would be preserved whether or not it's reauthorized. I think that's probably worth saying up, up front. Uh, the way that the funding mechanisms work, most of the program will continue. But some of the pr- uh, provisions around how it spends money and other key issues are set to expire in uh, about 60 days at the end of September. 
The Republican approach calls for a one-year extension, essentially, through the Appropriations uh, Committee. And this would also include strict curbs on abortion. It would resuscitate some of these Trump-era policies around um, partnering with NGOs around the world if they're promoting abortion. The Democrats, meanwhile, have wanted to just roll over the current bill and extend it for five years. This is what's called a clean reauthorization, which is what advocates want. You don't have to go line by line and fight about the bill. And I I think, Jen, the fear from advocates has been borne out in reality. The more that PEPFAR is opened up for hashing out what the legislation says, what does it mean to be partnering with organizations that may be promoting uh, quote, sexual and reproductive health. Republicans say that that's code for abortion. The organizations say that's not true at all. We're just promoting, protecting uh, mothers from transmitting HIV to infant children. But the the need for some agreement is going to be very hard to come to on, on reauthorization when you have Democrats pushing for a five-year rollover of the current bill and Republicans wanting a one-year re-upping in, in part hoping that a Republican president will take over in 18 months and be able to make sweeping changes to PEPFAR and the broader global strategy. They just want to buy some time uh, for the next president, in their minds, hopefully President Trump or, or a uh, compatriot, who would be able to implement these abortion curbs. Well, Dan, if I'm understanding you correctly, part of PEPFAR's success relies on the U.S.'s relationship with these NGOs that are doing the work on the ground in countries affected by HIV-AIDS, making sure medicines get distributed, making sure the educational materials are available to communities. If these stricter guidelines or rules are put in place, do we risk losing those relationships because those organizations can't do the work they need to do? Jen, I know that's a fear of organizations abroad, that some of them that have advocated for reproductive sexual health, that, that they may now be targeted if there are stricter curbs that could be aggressively interpreted. They're all also on the other side of this. There are organizations abroad that are faith-based and have been on the other side of this ledger. Uh, when PEPFAR was first announced, there was a major debate over whether it should support what was known as the ABC method, be abstinent, A, until marriage, be faithful to your spouse, B, and then C, use condoms if you couldn't abide by A and B. And there were many uh, in the health community who said, why is the United States funding abstinence abroad? So there are organizations that have been, uh, faith organizations that have been working very closely with PEPFAR, and PEPFAR has allowed them to receive funding and do their work, despite being uh, on, on that side of the ledger. And I think what Democrats are saying is, look, we need as broad a coalition as possible to help us fight HIV and AIDS around the world. And by infusing U.S. abortion politics into this, it's going to be that much harder to find partners. Well, I'm really curious to learn more about your conversation with Republican New Jersey Representative Chris Smith. He was a longtime supporter of PEPFAR. This, again, has been a, historically a bipartisan me measure. It started under a Republican president. What did you learn from him about why he's changed his stance on this program? And, and what does it say to you about the Republican Party right now? You know, Jen, he would argue he still believes in PEPFAR. He is a passionate PEPFAR supporter. It's just that his concerns about abortion take precedence and that he wants to make a stand on PEPFAR to call attention to the Biden administration's shift on abortion. We are living in a moment in public health 
It's bigger than PEPFAR, where abortion politics and other cultural concerns have infused uh, the public health infrastructure and scrutiny of it. The fallout from COVID has led to Republicans on the local level scrutinizing public health officials. The uh, legislation in Congress around pandemic programs is also caught up in a fair amount of scrutiny. But in terms of PEPFAR and Chris Smith, he has said, we will find ways to fund this program. We'll go through the Appropriations Committee. But we need to make sure that PEPFAR is not being used, as he's called, you know, a slush fund to... uh, transfer funding to organizations that might be um, promoting abortion abroad. He's also pointed to documents that PEPFAR has put out in recent months, saying that if you look on page 30 or page 36, there's a reference to uh, sexual and reproductive health, or there's a reference to pushing local laws to be changed. And he says when you put all that together, the Biden administration is telegraphing that it wants local laws changed, that it wants to promote abortion abroad. Again, the Biden administration says there's nothing to that. They've actually changed some of the documents after Chris Smith started pointing to them to, to make it, they said, more clear that PEPFAR is not trying to encourage abortion abroad. What happens, Dan, if PEPFAR is not renewed this year? Well, what will probably happen, Jen, uh, and, and I'm not sure it will be reauthorized this year, is it would roll over to next year, an election year, where abortion issues are going to be even more <laughs> front and center, mm. likely in the presidential race. Democrats have hit on abortion as a major issue uh, in, in the wake of the Supreme Court ruling and have signaled that they want to make abortion as accessible in the United States and globally as possible. Republicans have pushed back on that. So PEPFAR will be even more caught up in these issues. And it seems hard to conceive that there will be a one-year patch that Democrats will feel great about next year versus this year. There are several provisions that are set to expire, too. The Kaiser Family Foundation has a great uh, chart of what those provisions are for listeners who might be interested, but some of these are things like supporting uh, orphans who have been affected by HIV. That's Dan Diamond. He's a national health reporter at The Washington Post. Dan, thanks. Thank you, Jen. We're talking about PEPFAR. That's the president's emergency plan for AIDS relief. It was launched under the presidency of Republican George W. Bush. Next, we hear from public health experts about the impact the program has had on lives across the world. We'll be back after this short break. This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on. Now more than ever, your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services, all tailored to your short- and long-term goals. Backed by the strength and stability of a top-10 commercial bank, their dedicated experts work with you to build lasting success. Explore the possibilities at CapitalOne.com slash commercial, a member FDIC. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with its original podcast on investing. Each week, hosts Lizanne Saunders, Schwab's chief investment strategist, and Kathy Jones, Schwab's chief fixed income strategist, along with their guests, analyze economic developments and bring context to conversations around stocks, fixed income, the economy, and more. Download the latest episode and subscribe at schwab.com slash oninvesting or wherever you get your podcasts. What does it mean to be black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as black experiences, you'll hear. It means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. 
Now let's get back to PEPFAR. That's the president's emergency plan for AIDS relief. It was launched in 2003 during the presidency of Republican George W. Bush. It's estimated to have saved 25 million lives across the globe. But the future of the program isn't certain. What happens if PEPFAR doesn't continue like it has for the last 20 years? Let's bring in our public health experts. Lawrence Gostin is a professor of global health law at Georgetown University and the director of the World Health Organization Collaborating Center on Global Health. Larry, welcome back to the program. Thanks. Great to be here, Jen. Also with us is Meg Doherty. She's the Director of Global HIV, Hepatitis, and STI Programs at the World Health Organization in Geneva. Meg, thanks for joining us. Pleased to be with you. So, Meg, you worked with the PEPFAR program in Ethiopia from 2005 to 2010, and this was in the early days of the program. What effect did PEPFAR have on the communities you worked with? Yes, thank you. Let me just start also by um, stating that many of us who are HIV specialists, clinicians, public health uh, epidemiologists have been working in this field for many, many years. And mine dates back to actually 1987, where my first experience with seeing people living with HIV was in um, DRC, then Zaire, Uh, where essentially people were dying uh, of SLIMS disease, of tuberculosis, of meningitis. Simply put, it was really destroying lives. And back then in 1987, we didn't have the treatments that we do now. And it was really a pleasure and a a dream to be able to work with PEPFAR when I joined um, uh, a program under the Johns Hopkins University in Ethiopia in 2005 to 2010, because I think so many of us wanted to be able to bring that life-saving treatment that was being used and and saving lives in the United States. We wanted to bring that to a continent that was ravaged by HIV. So simply put, it was an amazing period of time to see the scale up and how that transformed societies, transformed families, and and individually, uh, you know, was able to bring people back from their deathbed. And, you know, we spoke about the Lazarus effect, and I think, you know, many of us saw the Lazarus effect, and, and I do see that uh, this this concept of the change that PEPFAR brought may be lost because we've done so well in the last 20 years to bring it to countries in need. And you mentioned the Lazarus effect. Lazarus, of course, is a biblical story uh, about a man raised from the dead. Larry, you've also worked in the HIV AIDS public health space for years. Paint a picture for us. How did the HIV AIDS epidemic affect the globe before PEPFAR came on the scene? Yeah, that's absolutely the perfect question, Jen. I mean, I don't think many people realize how um, tragic um, the world was uh, during the height of the AIDS uh, pandemic. Um, Africa in particular um, was, people were dying um, uh, in their millions. Uh, Life expectancy actually plummeted um, to to uh, you know forty years old or above in one country it was thirty nine years old. Mm. Orphans um, were multiplying as their parents died. Um, it was affecting um, mostly women. Families were destroyed. Girls weren't going to school, um, and the economies were collapsing. Um, and PEPFAR 
changed Africa and changed the world. I mean, if we want to be proud of one thing in all we've done in America, this would be the thing I would point to, the shining star of American foreign policy. And we benefited richly from it. Um, you, you go to Africa and you'll ask, who's your favorite American president? And many will say George Bush um, because of uh, his advocacy for PEPFAR, which has then been bipartisan um, right down the line until now with our hugely dysfunctional political system in the United States. Meg, what kinds of services does a program like PEPFAR provide? Well, they're broad um, in terms of they provide services for testing, diagnosing, understanding if people are infected, prevention, ensuring that people are free from becoming infected, uh, to treatment, giving that life-saving antiretroviral therapy that is a life lifelong treatment, as well as monitoring uh, the, the treatment to ensure that it's effective or through the viral load. But there's also many other services that need to be provided in terms of working to um, assure adherence, working with communities, having communities make uh, taking antiretroviral therapy easier for people um, by, you know, bringing the therapy closer to home, ensuring that they have a support network, um, so it's very broad-based, and it also touches upon the other associated uh, infections that were killing people right and left, as Larry was mentioning, tuberculosis treatment, treatment for opportunistic infections that, uh, that would have killed them within weeks to months um, of becoming immunosuppressed, and now um, they're living long lives. And as... Uh, as uh, Larry was saying, we, we've seen now life expectancy going up to almost a normal life expectancy and economies uh, turn around. And um, so it's been a really, it's a wholehearted success. And, uh, and from public health perspective, I think the, uh, this is one, one program that has had major implications around the world. Larry, specifically when it comes to children who were orphaned by HIV AIDS, what work did PEPFAR do to help secure their futures? Well, um, PEPFAR w- works with the whole health and social services system in a country. Um, so it helps support um, orphan children. Um, if, they're, if kids are, um, uh, ha- are not orphan but have sick parents, it helps those parents to, um, to thrive and to be good parents, get the kids back to school. Um, And even during the COVID response, um, we found that, you know, countries where PEPFAR had existed did much better. It's true with Ebola, it's true with tuberculosis, it's true with a whole lot of um, diseases. Um, And that's because PEPFAR works with non-governmental organizations, civil society, governments, um, and it it strengthens the health system, it strengthens the social system, um, it, it does work on areas like um, uh, sexual and reproductive health and against battered and violent uh, violence against women. Um, uh, so it really is a, a service that, that lifts society. Um, and as I've said before, 
this really isn't about abortion at all. Um, it's it's really about America being a partner um, and having a program um, that not just saves lives, but transforms lives and transforms societies. And we work um, closely together with the Global Fund, UNAIDS, the World Health Organization. Um, and so we're richly multilateral, bipartisan, um, really America at its shining best. Larry, you were at the U.S. State Department yesterday for the launch of the Global Health Security and Diplomacy Bureau. Uh, that new bureau will oversee the PEPFAR program now. What did U.S. state officials have to say about the future of PEPFAR? You know, they ne- it's interesting with all the speeches from Secretary um, Blinken and, and uh, the head of PEPFAR, Samantha Power, um, Secretary um, Becerra, um, nobody mentioned that PEPFAR was in jeopardy. But what they did do is say that PEPFAR is becoming permanent. In some ways, it's no longer the president's emergency program on AIDS. It's the president's program on AIDS. Um, And it's now going to be run um, within this bureau um, that's going to be looking broadly at global health security. Um, They did mention a new initiative, which I think is a wonderful one, um, which is that PEPFOR is going to work um, much more closely on um, maternal health, um, uh, preventing maternal deaths, preventing child deaths. Um, and I think that that's a, a really welcome sign of a, you know, a fresh look at, at PEPFOR. But the, the message really was PEPFOR is here for good. Um, and nobody was looking back and everybody was looking forward. Um, and so I'm, I really do hope that the White House will, you know, push this hard. This isn't, you know, about Obama or about Bush or about Trump or about Biden. Um, it's about the United States. Um, and every president since George Bush has supported it. And I would love to see Congress and the president really come to a clean reauthorization. That's really um, what it takes. Meg, as we've been talking about, anti-abortion advocates and Republicans are pushing for PEPFAR's renewal to be on a year-by-year basis. As someone who's worked on the ground, what difference would it make if PEPFAR gets renewed year-to-year instead of every five years? Well, I, I think that could be very detrimental to achieving our what we call our sustainable development goals or ending AIDS as a public health threat by 2030. Those goals we've all signed on to. And to be able to reach those goals as pub- big public health programs, you need to be able to plan, you need to be able to ensure that governments are managing uh, their, their programs well. And if it goes to year to year, there could be certainly challenges with the planning and potentially the efficiencies that have been found through the PEPFAR program could be lost. For example, uh, the the PEPFAR program has been able to negotiate lower prices for antiretroviral therapies or lower prices for some of the the viral load machines, etc. If that ability to do those negotiations are lost, then some of that aspect 
of efficiencies, making the dollar go further, and ensuring that you get most out of the PEPFAR program could also be detrimental. And I think it could open up the PEPFAR program and this holistic approach that Larry was mentioning to be open every year to something else being taken away or to being reduced in terms of its efficiencies. Right now, we know that we have five um, or, or more countries already making some of those targets towards what we call HIV epidemic control. These are in countries in sub-Saharan Africa. I just came back from the International AIDS Society meeting where there's also countries stating that they're looking towards virtual elimination of HIV transmission. Some of the, the key interventions prevention interventions, injectable prevent, uh, antiretroviral therapies. These are the ones that are going to get us to the end of AIDS as a public health threat. And if there isn't that sustainable financing that is coming forward under PEPFAR over a five-year period, I think those elements could definitely be at risk. And certainly, we're, we're, very, we're very worried about this. For us, this would be crisis if PEPFAR were not able to be reauthorized. Larry, it, it's really interesting to hear Meg talk about this goal of ending HIV AIDS as a public health threat by 2030. When you think about the general public and how we think about HIV AIDS today, what are some, maybe a couple of basic, maybe misunderstandings or disconnect disconnects we have about the status of this disease globally? Well, um, you know, I, I agree with everything Meg said. Um, the you know, we've been trying to get to zero for a long time. And I remember I was at the International AIDS Conference. I, I was actually even at CDC when the very first cases were were announced from New York and San Francisco with Tony Fauci. So for, thus, for those of us who've kind of lived through uh, the AIDS pandemic, the idea that we could actually get to zero or get to a point where we've really ended AIDS, um, just thought, we thought it was unthinkable. Um, and now we're talking about it. Um, to be honest, we've been talking about it for a long time and we're still having a lot of setbacks. So there's a lot of work to do. Um, but what the public needs to know is, is that HIV is a preventable and controllable and disease that we really can end if we really put our backs into it and stop politicking around it. That's Lawrence Gostin. He's a professor of global health law at Georgetown University. He's also the director of the World Health Organization Collaborating Center on Global Health. Also with us, Meg Doherty. She's the director of global HIV programs at the World Health Organization in Geneva. Larry Meg, thanks for your time. Today's producer was Jorhalina Mana Rea. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again tomorrow. This is 1A. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. 
To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone, the perfect app to achieve your language learning goals no matter how busy your schedule gets. It's designed to maximize study time with immersive 10-minute lessons and audio practice for your commute. Plus, tailor your learning plan for specific objectives like travel. Get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little breaks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts.